Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. had to be evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. Oh, suck it nice. What did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck you. Yeah. Oh, take it out, take it Dude, out. Now I see why people follow Charles Manson. He was very straightforward yeah, and had the right idea. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. Hey, everybody. This is uh, this is Dan, um, and to my right is not Taylor. Nope, not Taylor. Um, Taylor, uh, this is a busy season for him professionally, so us being the, uh, the gracious friends we are, the wonderful hosts of this show... And thankfully, having a third chair and Josh, who generally just pushes buttons and makes sounds happen. Most of the time. And does chime in. Usually, he's really good for um, Game of Thrones info, uh, McNuggets. Lots thing- of McNuggets. <laughs> and things of that nature. Uh, so, Josh is sitting in today. Josh for is sitting in today. Episode- Josh is dressed like Hopper. Yeah, I'm just wearing my Brooklyn Nets shirt that I got before uh, the one playoff game we went to that they lost. Yep. Um, but uh, I am in support of my team now that the season has started. And... Uh, Kyrie Irving is playing wonderfully, second in the league in scoring to only James Harden, who shoots 200 shots a night. Um, but <laughs> we beat him the other night, which is nice. But uh, yeah, this is episode 76. You watch, I listen. The date is October 6th or October, November 6th. Um, yeah. How was your Halloween? Uneventful. Uneventful. Very yeah. uneventful. For the most part. I was actually happy because last year we got zero trick-or-treaters. This year we got like 15 maybe. Okay. And uh, I'm happy to see you when kids are out doing that. There was a lot. I saw so many people talking about out here in Jersey wanting to move Halloween because of the rain. Halloween. Well, to do it the next day. That's stupid. Yeah, dude, like... I'm sorry. I used to go trick-or-treating in the rain. Like, not a torrential downpour, but it wasn't a torrential downpour. No, it was just... Yeah, it was, it was rain. Um, how was your week, Josh? 
solid week. Uh, you know, I got some big things coming up. You're my, talking uh, to the mic more. I am talking so, to the mic. It doesn't sound too deep. Oh well. Maybe my voice is just deeper than yours. Uh, maybe and, and your butt's deeper. And, uh, um, so you're. I, re- I could get a pedal like. Uh, <laughs> oh hey, ho oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, Fred. <laughs> um, so your week was all right, uneventful. Yeah, uneventful. You know, my sister's wedding's coming up this weekend. Don't really care about that. <laughs> you don't have to worry because no one in your family's listening. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> just like everything else in your life, they're not paying attention. Exactly. <laughs> Trust me, I get that. There's like two people in my family that talk to Unless me. Unless they so, want to bother me about something or need money. <laughs> yeah, he just rolled his eyes downward. It was like a reverse Undertaker. <laughs> um, yeah, my week was all right. Uh, we we just got we got heat back on Saturday after a whole flooding incident. Still don't have hot water, so it's been a lot of going to people's houses to shower and make BM. No, I, I can I can still make BM here. We have cold water, um, so it's it, it kind of sucks. Like you got to skip every other day and go to people. I hate showering other people's houses. Where are you going? I, well, the landlord's parents live right around the corner, oh, okay. so it's no big deal. My boss on lunch break and shit like that because he's right around the corner. Uh, tomorrow, I'll, I'll shower at a doctor's house, probably with doctor. Oh, yeah. And uh, naturally. Um, I have a question for you because okay. you can answer this uh, properly. Sure. So Rise of Skywalker comes out in a few weeks, right? Yes, it does. Um, we're about a little over a month out. Yep. Uh, it's December 16th. We got our tickets already. We yeah. are ready to go. So I always, before any of these movies come out, as I watch all of them, yep. the previous ones, <laughs> um, is now like the proper time that I can start? Because there'll be times where I'll start one of them and go to sleep and then finish it the next day. So I started months ago. Yeah, I know you did. I want, I want a little more like closer to well, the release of the I new I one. I started months ago. Because I knew that so the second to- that once I got through the Phantom Menace, I was gonna just not want to watch Attack of the Clones, yeah. and I still haven't done it, so I got to do it. So, but would, for me, would this be around the right time? Because yeah. I was also considering. I was like, maybe it's a little early, but then I remember the Mandalorian comes out next week. You know, and that's I part would say of give yourself like one to two per week. Actually, no, I I, I just figured something out even more so. So um, we got eight movies or not. Uh, Ten, or, no, if you include Rogue One and Solo, uh, okay, um, you okay. got ten movies, well, right? I'm not going to be watching Solo. Why not? It was okay. I, lo- I really liked Solo. I had a blast with I Solo. I didn't not like it, but I, it's not like a, it doesn't really have well, repeat value I, I also um, don't really want to watch one and two, and I'm going to anyway, so of course I'm going to watch Solo. But then I just remembered The Mandalorian. Yeah. And then they're also going to have Clone Wars and Rebels on Disney+. Plus. Yes, they will. So I have enough content that I can start the movies today. Yeah. And then go from there. And there's content in general. You got Fallen Order next yeah, week. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, they're going to be adding a lot of Rise of Skywalker stuff into Battlefront. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to start that again soon. Like, yeah. just text me, please, because I won't do it. If, if no one reaches out to me to game online, I'm just going to play Madden. You see it every <laughs> night, don't you? I do. Just, just playing Mutt. And um, so just hit me up. Like, let's play Battlefront because I need to knock off the cobwebs. I'd like to play. I'll probably do some Battlefront, then right to Madden again. Um, but yeah, other than that, my week was fine. Um, started a couple new shows, watched a couple movies. Um, Watchmen is fucking fantastic. Awesome. Only getting better. Um, this past week's episode was the best one to date, I would say. Yep. And I really liked the first two, but now that they were getting the uh, the wrinkles of the graphic novel in there. Well, I feel like once you saw that giant blue phallus, yeah, when that I you saw were the, really hooked. Well, I, when she first opened the briefcase... And it was like shining blue. I'm like, what is that? And the I first got like thing I a thought was like fiction feel out of it. Well, yeah, that's exactly one of the things I was thinking. My first thought was, like, does she have like his balls? Like, what does she have? And then I see it. And I'm like, it's a 
fucking big dildo. Like, dude, that thing was massive. Yeah. It's not BB. That is BBC. Big blue cock. Um, okay, so because Taylor's not here, uh, obviously the, the thing's kind of shifted with the, the album. Not really shifted. It's still the same movie. Still the same album. Um, but Josh had to speed rush the movie with Taylor being out for work. And uh, Taylor be back next week. He's got to do this once every three weeks, maybe, which is fine. Um, I'm even thinking the days that we know he won't be here. We'll get someone else to come in and sit and shoot the shit. Today was a little short notice, so I couldn't find someone, but there's always people around. Um, so we might as well get into it. Um, but before we do, we have some friends we got to say hi to who just celebrated their 100th episode. Guys, I apologize. I still have not gotten to listen or watch it. Uh, it's just been very, very busy between uh, house issues and um, playing a lot of Madden. <laughs> Absolutely. And congratulations to these guys on their 100 Yeah, 100 episode episodes uh, towards alcoholism and uh, the eventual break. Up of a family unit. Absolutely. <laughs> so, guess what, bros and broads? Fudge and Finn's hashtag Shots for Likes podcast is bringing video into the mix. Not only can you continue to listen on iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher, you will now be able to watch them stream their episodes every Saturday night after 11 p.m. Eastern. Your, your favorite booze consuming podcast will be discussing sports video games, and embarrassing drunken stories. Streaming on Twitch, YouTube, and Mixer, visit the links. Fuck. Fuck, I always do <laughs> Go it. Go to these websites. Go to these websites and enjoy the assholery. Twitch.tv slash Shots for Likes podcast. Mixer.com slash Shots for Likes. Visit Shots for Likes podcast.com and click on the YouTube icon up top to watch on YouTube. And as always, <laughs> drink. No. Oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> I said it backwards. I'm an asshole. Yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm a little, I'm a little backwards yeah. here. Yep, that's, <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's perfect. <laughs> uh, drink with us, and as always, <laughs> don't be cunts. Yeah, I was waiting for your cue, and you cued me too early yeah, as well. Yeah, that's my bad. Um, okay, so why don't I just go first uh, with the album review, since um, the only thing you can actually speak on is the movie. Yep. Um, Taylor gave me Neck Deep, uh, Life's Not Out to Get You. Uh, Neck Deep is a pop-punk band. Uh, Taylor, obviously, that's, I'd say that's probably his favorite genre. Yeah. Um, and he, I would say, of all the genres, I actually really, really respect Taylor's music opinion, even on the stuff I disagree with on a whole, I would say 95% of the music he likes. Um, I'm down with, yeah. I would say I'm down with, and, uh, I respect him, especially in the pop punk world because that's his, his people. That's his, uh, little subculture, his genre, uh, neck deep. I had heard through him throughout the years. It's something he put on randomly liked what I heard. Um, this album he said was his favorite of their albums. And I see exactly why, cause this is a sensational album. Um, I don't know how big into pop punk you are. I think you're, you're slight, more, slight. more recently. I think yeah. you've been diving into it. Yeah. Not as much as Taylor, but you know, there's a lot of stuff that I do like, um, I really, really like this album. Uh, the, the the punk influence on the music is extremely evident. It's very upbeat. It's very, very fast. Even on the stuff where certain lyrics I thought were a little heavy-handed, it did not take me out of the song or degrade the quality of the song because it, it fit the sound of the music. It, it, not to go to the hills and sing with the sound of music, but the, this, the lyrics fit the sound, and it captured the, I would say, the biggest theme in most pop punk is that angst that you feel, whether it's teenage angst, whether it's relationship angst, or just life in general. I would say that's the most common theme amongst pop punk, right? Yeah. And it, it it just it, it felt perfect. You felt what these, these these guys were writing when they made it, when they were composing everything, and the whole album is just it flows perfectly. The the lowest I gave a, a song on here was a fucking four. Like nothing got low, lower than a four, and it's not like they were a downgrading quality. Just some of these songs specifically stand out even more. I gave one, two, three, four. 
five six fives on this album, which is pretty damn good. Um, my favorite song on it was Lime Street, uh, but going down from the top, Citizens of Earth was a four, Threat Level Midnight a five, Can't Kick Up the Roots a four, uh, Kalima was five, Gold Steps a five, Lime Street a five, Serpents a four, uh, The Beaches for Lovers four, December a five, uh, Smooth Seas Don't Make Good Sailors a five, I Hope This Comes Back to Haunt You a four, and Rock Bottom a four. Um, there, there isn't a single thing I would change on Neck Deep's Life's Not Out to Get You. If you like the pop punk genre and you haven't heard this one, I highly suggest you go to your Spotify, you go to your Apple Music, or if you're just a cheap piece of shit, go to YouTube and look it up because this album plays perfectly. It flies right by. By the time you start the first track, you won't even realize that you're almost on the last track. Uh, this album gets a five out of five. It is one. Of, it might be the second best album I've gotten on this show to The Wonder Years, The Greatest Generation, which is also a pop punk record. So I don't know if it's just the albums are that good or if that's what's striking a chord with me the most. I do like the genre a lot. And uh, there's just something that it, it, there's so much fun in the sound of that music. I'm also, I love punk. So if you could really capture a punk sound, like old Blink-182, old Green Day, where they had more radio-friendly punk than the most stuff that I used to listen to, like the Casualties oh, yeah. and shit like that, the Sex Pistols, who I love. You know, I love them too. But you make this more... Th- user-friendly, I would say. Yeah. So, uh, Neck Deep, Life's Not Out to Get You, gets a 5 out of 5. Great job, Taylor. Okay, uh, you gave Taylor the movie After Hours, uh, which is a uh, black comedy uh, directed by Martin Scorsese. The great Martin Scorsese, and um, um, one of the things I... I I love about Martin Scorsese, besides the classics, I do love his movies where he steps out of what he is known for. Yeah. Um, where, you know, most of his stuff is based loosely on real events outside of, you know, certain movies here and there, like yeah. Taxi Driver and Sh- Shitter Island and things like that. Um, but when he he, cr- he goes into a genre that isn't necessarily his thing, I find it very, very interesting. Yeah. Um, right off the bat, I'm going to say this was, a, this was a solid movie. You know, it... Um, I'm used to seeing Martin Scorsese's films that are in, you know, like the mob genre. Yeah, dark, you know. more dark character studies. Yeah. That they tackle real life issues. And in this one, it does. It's yeah. a guy that's just caught in a loop that yeah. he feels very stuck. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't, he seems like a guy that doesn't really take risks. He, yeah. He's, you know, he cookie cutter, cubicle kind of job. And then he meets a woman at a restaurant and he decides to give her a call. And then his night from there <laughs> spirals, spirals out, out of control. And th- there's a lot of illusion to like what is actually happening happening like the the woman that he goes to meet it's implied that she is heavily burned from the ointment to the comments her roommate made what is he actually seeing yeah um yeah so you know he gets uh he gets to the apartment uh he meets the roommate who is a uh a smoke show <laughs> <laughs> but also a uh a sculpture artist uh that like, like an abstract yeah, sculpture ab- artist yeah, while working with you know uh plaster paris paper mache all that and that fi- features heavily uh, in the theme of the rest of the movie because yes. it keeps popping up. Um, you know, so basically he gets there, he starts to... Uh, Even on his way there, his $20 goes flying out of yeah. the cab. You know, he uh, he has starts having a conversation with the, with the roommate who's an artist. He gives her a shoulder massage and she falls asleep. Yeah, yeah. And he um, like thinks he's about to get it in yeah. before he gets it in with the woman he's supposed to meet. Exactly. <laughs> um, and then the, the, the woman he's supposed to meet shows up uh, they go into her room and they start conversating, and this is where the things start to get a little bit weird. You get these cues that she might be the burn victim that is being allude, uh, alluded to. Uh, she tells a really strange story about her ex-husband, mm-hmm. uh, and that really just turns him off, and he decides to put on a little bit of a scene. Yeah. 
Uh, hey, where are those paper mache bagels I came to look for? Yeah. Uh, sends her out of the room, and then he just dips out. Yeah, he he uh, ghosted the shit out. He did an Irish goodbye yeah. to a potential burn victim, to yeah. Freddy Krueger in the bedroom. <laughs> um, you know, and this is where his night really starts getting Yeah, weird. like, it, it was a weird night already. Yeah. And then it just gets really fucking weird. You know, over the next uh, over the next hour or so of the movie, he goes to a bar, he meets a bar, t- or he tries to get home on the subway. Yeah. Doesn't have enough money for the fare because the fare changed at the stroke of yes, midnight. Yes, yeah. So he gets to the train station and, you know, 12.05, has 97 cents on him, but he can't it's make... $1.25 or $1.25. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he goes to this bar, meets a bartender, the bartender offers to pay him the subway fare to get home. Yeah. Um... But the bartender can't get the cash drawer open on his register. Yep. So he gives him his keys to, to go, go to his, his place apartment. and get it. Um, and then as he's leaving the bartender's apartment, he sees the, pl- the original apartment where he met the women getting robbed yep. by none other than Cheech and Chong, <laughs> <laughs> who were a great addition to this movie. They they provided because it's definitely a comedy, but they kind of break the ice to remind you that it's a comedy. Yep. I would say they, they keep the temperature in the room at the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um. So he sees these guys uh, robbing the apartment that he was originally at. They were taking the sculpture that he helped the roommate work on. Uh, he approaches them and says, hey, where'd you get that stuff? They drop it and they run off. Yeah, yeah. He takes the sculpture. He brings it back to the apartment. He finds the roommate tied up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she was like, oh, those are my friends. Like, I, told, I sold them the TV, too. So it wasn't even a robbery. No, not they were at all. friends. Uh, and then that's where you meet Horst. Yeah. The, uh, well, the most common theme in the movie, I think, is that every time he is approaching a beautiful woman, mm-hmm. shit goes wrong. Yeah. The one time he meets a person that isn't trying to like be a dick to him, it turns out that the guy that owns the bar gave him the keys is... Well, uh, uh, you know, spoiler alert, the girl that uh, is implied that she burned, she kills herself. Yeah. And it turns out that he that is the girlfriend of the bar owner that he has the keys of. Um, you know, I don't want to go through a whole plot by plot point of necessarily, but it kind of gives you an idea of where it all goes from here. He starts yeah. getting followed by a mob because they accuse him of doing all the robberies. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of layers and themes to it. Um, you know, when he, Martin Scorsese took on this role, it was right after Paramount shut down his passion project, which was um, The Last Temptation of Christ. And he he was uh, attracted to this movie because he wanted to do something smaller that represented the chaos that he felt was happening in his professional career. And this movie is definitely chaos. It's a guy that lives a normal life, and one decision that steps outside of his norm drives everything you know out there. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. Like we're at our age, you know, we're thirty. Um, we we have these routines and these things that we're comfortable with. And every time I tend to do something that I wouldn't normally do. Shit doesn't go exactly as it should no. Like I feel And it's not Obviously not as crazy As a fictional film But it never seems like Oh I'm just gonna go do this Like I know if I decided To go horseback riding tomorrow I'm gonna end up like Christopher Reeves Because that's just That's life And I thought that After Hours Captured that pretty well While remaining funny With a, a really really good Leading performance From a lesser known actor um, Who was really His biggest roles are this In American Werewolf in London Yeah um, And it's probably The most underutilized Or under referenced film In Martin Scorsese's catalog i would say i mean you, both of you guys didn't even really know about it no not at and all and he has a few like this another one would be bringing out the dead with nicholas cage another really really good one uh alice doesn't live here anymore but overall how would you rate after hours uh what's taylor's scale out of 10 yeah out of 10 i give it a 7 out of 10 yeah, i'd say that's fair it's not it's not one of his fucking classics but it's it's probably for me like right outside his top 10 if not like right at the bottom yeah it's really hard because there's certain movies i think about i'm like dude i love gangs in new york yeah like there, there's just some of those 
those. And there's some that as the years have gone by, they've gone up higher and some have gone down lower. Mm-hmm. Like years and years have gone by and I love The Departed, but it's outside my top 10. Yeah. And um, it's I'm, definitely, of uh, you know, I, I've seen obviously all of his well-known movies. Yeah, of course, of course. And The Departed is my least favorite out of yeah. those. I still love it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I don't know if it's my least favorite of his most well-known ones. I, it, it, it could be. It could be. Because like as years have gone by, King of Comedy has gone up. Mean Streets has gone up for me. Uh, Gangs of New York has kind of always stayed like right in that middle tier, mm-hmm. like towards the bottom 10. Yeah. And it's not a detriment or against the departed. I love the departed. It's an, I watch it anytime it's on. It's one I'll yeah. never get sick of, but I'll never get sick of raging bull taxi driver, Goodfellas, casino, mm-hmm. uh, wolf of wall street. I like more than departed. Yeah. So uh, overall, I'm glad you liked it because it is a really outside the box movie. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So before we get to our picks for this week, uh, we got to give a shout out to our guys over at Lobo sound. If you have something you need to advertise, Josh, who should you call? Call Lobo sound. If you need a website to advertise that product as well, who should you call? You got, Gotta call Lobo Sound. And that's because Lobo Sound's world-renowned commercial production and website construction in English, Spanish, and Polish have made Lobo Sound a fixture in Chicago radio and digital advertising communities. But Lobo Sound isn't limited to Chicago. Alaska, Atlanta, Toronto, Toledo, Hawaii, New Jersey, New York, New York, Montecito, California, wherever you are, Lobo Sound has your back. Lobo Sound helps you reach your target market effectively and affordably. Reach who you want to reach, when you want, on all devices and applications. For more information, call Lobo Sound at 630-244-9704 or visit them at www.lobosound.com. So again, call them at 630-244-9704. And if you mention you watch, I listen, you will get a 10% discount. So shout out to the homies over at Lobo Sound. All right, why don't we get into the picks for this week? Um, I guess, uh, Josh, why don't you go first? You'll fill in for Taylor. I hope you pick something that you know Taylor knows. Um, Uh, Yeah, I'm going to. So he can elaborate on it. Uh, So... I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was like, yeah. (laughs) I got to put those jokes on someone. Yeah, no, no, no. It's all right. I understand. Um, And I was like, what should I give Dan? And I was going to think, I was thinking about just for the. Smash Mouth. No, no, no. (laughs) I was thinking just to to change it up for all of us uh, to give you a pop record. But then I thought about it, and I was like, nah, that's really just Mm, a waste of time for everybody. So I'm not going to do that. Okay. the last time I gave you a curveball, I gave you one of my favorite albums by one of my favorite bands. Okay. uh, And you hated it. Uh, so I am going to give you one of their original records okay. to see how you feel about this band. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm going to give you Between the Buried and Me's Coma Ecliptic. Between the Buried and Me. I'm just writing Between and Me. Coma Ecliptic? Yeah. Okay. So this album, uh, now earlier, their roots are really all in death metal. You know, when they started up, they were a death metal band. Um, but yes. they've always had this bit of a progressive sound to them. Sure. Uh, they changed up their style a lot okay. on Coma Ecliptic, and a lot of their fans don't like it. Well, did they change it up in the sense like they didn't go from. Uh, There's a lot more clean vocals. Okay, so it was kind of like uh, when Slipknot left Iowa and they went to like Volume 3, Subliminal Verses. So yeah. that, would that be a fair comparison? Yeah, I would, I Maybe would say so. Maybe not direct sound, but that was the first time that really featured Corey singing on yeah. as many tracks so as he was screaming. There's, there's a lot of clean vocals, uh, which I a, like. There's I th- a lot of, of, of progressive sound. There's a lot of keyboards. Okay. There's a lot of synth. Yeah. Um, but it's a really cool sound, and I dig it, and uh, I just I want to see how you're going to yeah, feel about it. Yeah, I, I think it's important for bands to change their sound, especially if they want to last. I mean, when you look at bands that have stood the test of time, whether you like them or not, it doesn't matter if you like them or not. The fact that certain bands have been able to stay relevant, I would say the, the fair window, anything over 15 years, you've done a decent job of changing your sound enough. Um, at current bands, you look at Red Hot Chili Peppers, Green Day, bands like them, uh, Slipknot's changed their sound a lot. Yeah. Corn, I don't love their 
their newer stuff, but they have remained relevant and they've changed their sound a lot throughout the years. Metallica, Metallica obviously has changed their sound, and that, you know now they've kind of reverted back into an older sound, and it's yeah. kick ass again. Yeah. Um, and you look at bands that have been around even longer, like the Rolling Stones. The amount of times they've changed their sound. So I think it's really important, and I think it, it's kind of a cop out when people say, "Oh, they they suck now. They change their sound." Like, uh, dude, like it. My issues with Metallica didn't have anything to do with that. They, you know, I never said the Black Album's a bad album. I said it was to me the beginning of the end, and yeah. or not the beginning of the end, the beginning of a downfall, a dip in quality. Yeah. And then it, it's not that you know they they changed their sound. It's just load and reload were really really bad. Yeah. And then Saint Anger obviously was really really bad. Yeah. But then you get the Death Magnetic and the most recent one that I'm forgetting the name of. Um, fantastic. Yeah. It was old Metallica. So I think it's really cool when bands do that. Okay, so the movie I'm gonna give. Um, and I, I hope you watch this too because. This is actually a new one. It just dropped on iTunes this past week, available to rent. I just watched it last night, actually. Um, it, it stars Shia LaBeouf, who I am. I actually really like Shia LaBeouf. Okay, he's a, he's a really good actor, despite being a fucking wacko. <laughs> he's a great actor, and he's kind of in the Robert Pattinson mold, where he's left the big budget movies and he's been doing independent films mostly. Uh, this movie is called The Peanut Butter Falcon. I don't know if you saw the trailers for this. No. Um, so I would call it a modern retelling of Huckleberry Finn. Okay. Uh, Shia LaBeouf plays a guy that's like. Uh, he he was I guess a crab fisherman, um, but his he he worked with his brother. His brother died. It's implied that he's the reason his brother died. And brother played by John Bernthal in a very small role, um, and you know very down on his luck. He kind of rubs people the wrong way. Uh, he ends up leaving his job on very very bad terms, and he comes across a kid who has escaped from a an assisted living home, and this is a young man with Down syndrome. This re- uh, young man escaped from his home um, because he wants to become a professional. Wrestler. Wrestler. Okay. He's been watching an old old wrestling tapes, and he wants to go to this wrestling school. He meets up with Shia LaBeouf, and they decide he decides I'm going to take him to get there. And he teaches him like kind of like living on his own. Uh, Dakota Johnson's also in this. Who you know, I always thought Dakota because she was in those terrible Fifty Shades movies, and we've watched those movies for comedic purposes before, kind of like a riff tracks live. Like sure. we've, we've gotten drunk and shit on them. I never thought she was attractive. She's actually a really, really cute girl. And she was cute in this. She was good in this. It's a very simple, basic movie. And it picks up right away. There's no real long buildup to anything. Um, it's it's really a lot of fun. The cast is great. I commend the studio for actually casting an actor with Down Syndrome to do it. You couldn't do that. You couldn't actually cast a regular actor. Be like, all right, act Downsy. <laughs> like, I had a friend that called the movie The Peanut Butter Retard. And I'm like, dude, he's like, I liked it, though. <laughs> I'm like, um, but it, it was just a really, really warm charming movie um some nice wrestler cameos in here from two specifically two legends um and yeah it was a cool movie man i think you'll really like it i know taylor's gonna love it um my only quabble with it is the ending's a little hit or miss it's not like it's this back-breaking ending a little bit of a different execution but i love the ride to get there so the movie pick for this week is the peanut butter falcon all right, why don't we talk about some stuff, Josh? Yeah, let's talk. Um, one thing I was happy about this week, just to go into sports really quick, is um, in, in the Mets uh, journey for a new manager of the team, my, I've said from the beginning my first choice was Joe Girardi, and I said my, from the beginning my second choice was one Carlos Beltran, and I got my wish. There you go. Um, I never expected to get Girardi because I know I know the Mets, and I also know that they didn't want a guy that wasn't willing to collaborate with the front office and the analytics department about, you know, this guy, this guy, put him here, put him here, whatever. Um, but Beltran... Beltran was my second choice because not only was he one of my favorite Mets at the time, he's been one of my favorite baseball players for years. Before he was a Met, after he was a Met, um, he's one of the great postseason players of all time, a great ambassador of the sport, and one of the smartest players to ever play the game. It's obviously a risk when you take a first-time manager. 
uh, it's a huge risk. But one thing that he will command that a, uh, that another first time manager like a Mickey Callaway would not command is the instant respect of the entire locker room. Yeah. Like as a player, if you have Carlos Beltran in that room. You're not questioning him. No. You're not going to say, like, you know, you barely played in this league or you didn't play in this league. And it's not to say that managers can only be former great players because I really like Terry Collins and he wasn't a uh, great player by any means. Joe Torre was an average major league uh, catcher in his career. Aaron Boone was a decent player, not a great player, but a decent player. He was, he was, he was, uh, he was a platoon He was guy, a utility you know? platoon journeyman kind of player. He yeah. wasn't a superstar. Carlos Beltran's a legitimate superstar, but yeah. he's not, it, you know, the other thing I like is that this is a dude that made like $230 million in his career. He doesn't have to do this. He wants to do this. Um, I think it's important you put a, a coaching staff that has experience around him. I love the idea of Terry Collins as his bench coach. I thought it was also interesting that it came out after the fact that he finished only second to Aaron Boone for the Yankees job, yeah. which is pretty interesting. So as Mets fans, um, if they should just surround him with like former Mets managers, he's already talked bring about in, bring like, in Terry Collins, he, bring in uh, Jerry Manuel. Oh God. He's gangster. <laughs> <laughs> Willie Randolph. Bring back, Art Howe, <laughs> dig up Bobby, Casey Stengel. Oh my God, just with a mustache <laughs> and the fucking ben- on the bench. Yeah, it, it's cool, man. Um, and any Mets fans that are crying, uh, game seven, oh six. He looked at strike three. Shut up, shut up. Like you're gonna let. He had maybe the best three season stretch of any position player in Mets history from oh six to oh eight. Shut the fuck up. You're gonna let. No one was hitting that Wainwright curveball. Like no one knew. And let's not forget the bullpen blew that game with. The tied before that so there's a lot of things that go into that um but yeah i'm very happy about carlos beltran um okay i got a hypothetical for you here okay okay so i this is this is kind of like a couple fucked up subjects but they're kind of tied in okay okay so hypothetically here you have a daughter right yes what's your number one fear with having a daughter her becoming a stripper a stripper slut we'll say right yeah. like her just being a, a floozy we'll say a yeah. woman about town <laughs> <laughs> okay so what would you do mm-hmm. with your daughter to kind of teach her that she shouldn't be promiscuous and meeting multiple men and how would you track her behaviors to make sure that she's not risking you know sexually transmitted diseases uh, rape situations early pregnancy etc what would you do uh, I don't know, honestly. I mean, I think the logical answer here is that you just raise them right. You yeah. don't you don't be overbearing. I mean, we both kind of had overbearing situations in our lives in, in different aspects. Um, I don't think being overbearing, I think being honest with your kids, being very upfront is important. Mm-hmm. I, I say this as a person that has no children, so <laughs> forgive my ignorance if I'm wrong here. Um, so let's say you're mostly worried about your daughter's sex life, okay. and you want to ensure... That she remains a virgin for however long she lives with you. Okay. How would you do this? Um, I mean, the most logical answer is you never let her leave the house. I yeah, guess. Uh, yeah. I guess that's a no closed doors if some boy comes over. Yeah. Okay. Or no boys so coming over at all. Someone, a celebrity, okay. came up with the absolute greatest, most logical solution to make sure that she's not floozing around. And if she is, you can figure it out. Rapper T.I. confirmed that he takes his daughter to the gynecologist to make sure her hymen isn't broken. (laughs) Dude, I saw this story today, and I'm like, yo. Uh, Okay, listen, I get being a protective father. Mm -hmm. I think that's total in today's world, especially with the Internet. 
But let's be fair here in a couple aspects. Your motherfucking TI. You can set up a bodyguard to go with her everywhere. You yeah. could pay for round-the-clock security. You could set something up to track every text message and email she gets. You don't need to be going to the gyno to make sure that pussy ain't broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw this, and he's getting, like, major backlash for it. And usually I'm against the backlash mob. In this case, I'm like, it might be a little justified. But there is also a side to me that's like... That ain't your kid, man. He can do whatever the fuck he wants beyond that's not it's not child abuse. She if she signed off on the forum saying that the gyno can say that, you know, tell her. But then he's like, the gyno told me that she could have her hymen broken riding bikes and horseback riding. (laughs) It's a big horse. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, that has to be one of the most drastic measures short of chaining your child in their bedroom and uh, homeschooling them. Yeah. I mean, what does T.I. Actually, it's funny. I say, what does T.I. do anymore? He was in fucking uh, a movie I watched last night. Dolomite is my name. He was in that. He was in both Ant-Man movies, Yes, too. He, he was. You know, he, he, I think he still raps from time to time. Does he? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, Dolomite is my name, by the way, dude. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. I gotta watch it. Seeing Eddie, Mur- like, Eddie Murphy is, is such a talented dude. But he isn't the smartest dude with the casting, the the movies he picks to yeah. be cast in. Norbit. Obviously, Norbit, Pluto, <laughs> Nash. Uh, the the list goes on. There's there's a lot of them. And then he has these movies where he's great. And this movie was very much in the vein of the Disaster Artist. It was it, it was definitely more of a a serious movie than Disaster Artist was. And I loved it. Disaster Artist was a fucking riot. This one was more of a serious movie, but it was still really funny. It was awesome seeing Wesley Snipes back in like a pretty big role, and he was hilarious. Uh, Mike Epps was really good in it, and Eddie Murphy was phenomenal. I don't know if he'll get an Oscar nomination. He very, he definitely should. Um, this was one of the best performances, one of the best movies I saw this year. Um, and then they even did the same thing at the end of the Disaster Artist, where they show the real footage of the making of the room. They show the real footage of the ma- the making of the movie Dolomite. So it, it's pretty cool. And then you know, I didn't know a ton about Rudy Ray Moore. I knew who he was. I'd heard some of his records through the years. I had seen Dolomite at some point in my life. But then when I read up. Like they called Dolomite the godfather of rap because his comedy style was rhyming and dropping punchlines. And Snoop Dogg's like, my entire persona is Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite. Yeah. So it, it was a cool movie. Um, it's on Netflix. I highly suggest everyone watches it. I know you were looking, you were talking to me about that movie a while back. Yeah. Um, I had heard about it a while back. Um, I think it premiered at one of the festivals and got rave reviews. Yeah. And, um, Funny enough, the reason why I was so interested in it is because I heard Snoop Dogg raving about it. Yeah, and Snoop was in the movie, by the way, as well. Um, And, you know, hey, I love Eddie Murphy for for what it's worth. Sure. You know, he's had some real stinkers. But he's had as many classics, you can argue. Yeah, absolutely. And when I heard the enthusiasm that Snoop talked about this with, because, you know, Snoop's involved in a lot of stuff. Sure. And he talks about a lot of stuff, but, like, you could hear how... The UFC commentary, like... You could hear how enthusiastic he was about uh, this when he was talking about it. He was on the the Howard Stern show. Okay. Um, And and you sound much better talking to the mic now, like, straight on. It sounds deeper. It does. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, so I, I got home from work the other night, and then I wound up doing more work when I got home. And by the <laughs> time the I was done, it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch Dolomite it's now. 1230. It's 12.30. Like I'm like going to start movie. this movie. I'm going to fucking fall asleep halfway through it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm I mean, done. you can watch it tonight. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was really good. Or I, I could watch Endgame. Uh, how, many time, how many times have you <laughs> Actually, watched? Actually, I haven't watched Endgame since before Manfro's birthday. Okay, okay, so you, you do. And it'll, it'll be even easier because it's being it's officially announced that it will be launching with Disney+. Plus. Oh, good. So I'll just, oh, I'll good. just, I'll just wait. No, because I haven't been able to watch it in 4K yet. Oh, you're such a twat. No, it's because Disney is cunts, and they don't <laughs> Disney want... Disney is cunts. Disney, Disney is cunts, <laughs> and they won't let Apple sell their movies in 4K in the apps, uh, on the Apple TV store because they... 
they feel like their 4K content is worth more money than the standard movie. And the way that Apple does their their business model with the streaming movies yeah. is that if the movie is available in 4K, okay. you don't have to pay extra for it. Okay. Um, but Disney... And Disney doesn't like that, which is funny because everything on Disney Plus will be streaming in 4K for, for the regular for monthly fucking thing. $6.99 a month. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, know. that doesn't make much sense. I mean, uh, Disney Plus is going to be cool. We had Apple TV drop this week, um, which we got to give a... I, what's the opposite of a shout-out? Like a shit-out? Shit um A shit-out to Dr. Bob Roberts, who thought Apple TV Plus would include all the movies that you could rent <laughs> on Apple t- on, on uh, iTunes. He goes, it's a scam. I was like, a scam would imply... They're giving it to you for free. Yeah, How is it a scam? Free. But he also says it's a scam because he's dumb. Like, yeah. I'm like, it's not a, like, if I go to a fucking a Ford dealership and I buy uh, an Escort, we'll say, a Ford Escort, and then I, I'm like, hey... You scam me. This isn't a Corvette. <laughs> it's not the dealership's problem. It's I'm the problem. Yeah. And Dr. Bob, you are the problem. Um, did you watch anything besides um, uh, the morning show on Apple TV no, Plus so yet. far? No, I've, I've been meaning to Is start. Is it Apple TV Plus it's called? Yeah. Okay. I've been meaning to start for all mankind. Yeah, that's the one I'm most interested in. Yeah. Um, I started the morning show. I watched the first two episodes. Really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that was cool, funniest for me, is being a huge fan of the show, The League, is that uh, Mark Duplass, who played Pete on The League, is in it. Yep. And then uh, the woman that was Shiva on The League, who was the name of their championship, uh, Shiva Kamini, uh, they Shiva bombed all the time. She's also in it. And I'm like, I Shiva bombed instantly. I'm like, ah! <laughs> but um, the cast is really good. Uh, it's pretty crazy that so soon they're tackling loosely Matt Lauer. Um, it's not fucking loose, dude. Well, I, I mean, it, it's loosely because it's not his name, and yeah. it's it, it, it's very the, the, it's, it's clearly about Mount so, Lauer. Um, you didn't get to this point yet. No, I've it's only not, watched the first two episodes. It's not. I, I don't think it's a big spoiler. I apologize if you think this is a big spoiler. Um, there's it's a part, not one I'm really worried about spoiling. There's a part in the third episode, and I'm sure you heard this part about the Matt Lauer story. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the female production uh, assistants okay. or whoever goes into. Um, oh, is this the button on his yeah. desk? Oh, they added the button. Yeah, yeah that's not loosely anymore. That's Matt Lauer. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. She goes into his office. She feels underneath the desk and pushes the button, and the door swings shut and locks. Yeah, you know when I heard that about Matt Lauer, the first part of me was like, "What a fucking creep." No, you know what? Here's what I what I thought when I actually heard that. Okay. Someone had to install that for well, him. Well, NBC well, well, fucking let, knew. Let me explain my other side of this, okay? And this is not defending him whatsoever. My first thought was when I heard about that, like, what a fucking creep. Someone knew about that. Yeah. But the reason I was like someone knew about installing this and they probably didn't think anything is like he's probably at his desk for all hours and he wants to make sure that he, he doesn't have to get up. He can just press the button. He's probably there for hours doing like that's my first thought. Like if if some like let's who's the, the most respect Dan Rather will say Dan yeah. Rather's like, um, you know, I don't want to have to get up and down to open and close my door. Can you install something? They're not gonna be like, oh, he's doing a rape. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but there's also the side that NBC had an idea of the accusations at a minimum. Oh, definitely. And uh, now ABC is in all kinds of trouble this week. Uh, I don't know if you saw the big um, project uh, Vertez, the one that exposed all the media. Um, they released footage from a hot mic on ABC of, uh, I forgot the female anchor's name, but she basically straight up says that the, the bosses killed her Epstein story that also implicated Bill Clinton, and she doesn't know why. 
So we've been, we've been very big on the Jeffrey Epstein memes lately. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, this isn't saying anything what we think besides we think he didn't kill himself. Um, but <laughs> the memes are funny, no matter what you think. They're they, hilarious. They are, some of them are so creative. And usually with memes that like go super viral, I get sick of them after like two days. Not this one. I'm not sick of them yet. No. I, I do think that we should change it and make memes that say that he did kill himself. I saw one today <laughs> that I fucking loved. It was... Uh, Somebody went to the Christmas aisle in a Target or something and rearranged all the stockings to say... Oh, I saw that. I saw that one. That's good. I like the dude that was on Fox News with the dog that killed uh, the ISIS leader, and he was talking about it. He's like, you know, if you're going to get these dogs, they're very hard to train. Uh, you got to take it very seriously, and uh, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. (laughs) (laughs) It was very funny. Um, Okay, I got another um, weird story for you. Okay. Um, But first, I I have a new segment I want to run that um, is not the one I was talking about earlier. Um, I got to give credit to the original co-host of this show. I got to give credit to his wife, not him. Yeah. Um, we that, pl- that makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. She's responsible for any good he's ever done, um, even before they met. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were at this party, and um, I had a bunch of people circled around, one of which... Uh, circle jerk? It uh, was not a circle jerk yet. We oh, played Okie okay. Cookie, though. Okay, okay. Um, so I was just telling some stories, some fucked up West Melford stories. Yes. And she then suggested, like, you should be telling these stories on the show. Okay. And I'm like, I got to change people's names. Yeah, obviously. Uh So I want to call this um, West Melford Masterpiece Theater. And I think if you could come up with some, it doesn't have to be anything we did. Okay. Stories that we know from West Melford. When I get home tonight, I'm going to make a theme song for this. Please make a theme song. I like it. So West Melford Masterpiece Theater. Um, And the first one I want to tell will tie directly into my next story, Um, even though they're kind of loosely similar. Um, So (laughs) there was a house in high school um, Mm -hmm. of uh, someone that we all knew. Um, we'll call this person uh, Henry. Okay. 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 Uh, Henry's house was a big, big party house, right? And we'd all go there. We drank. Uh, uh, we would say that we would do drugs, whatever. Fine. Yeah. High school. This is what you did in high school. Sure. You party. Yeah. And I would say every weekend there was a party, and every day in the summer, five days out of the week in the summer, there was a party. Uh, Henry's mom would party with us in mm-hmm. a lot of cases. So we had a friend. Um, we'll call him uh, Howard. Okay. So Henry and Howard. Uh, Howard was a really tall dude, uh, long hair. Um, and at one of the parties, Howard disappeared and we're like where the fuck is Howard okay (laughs) so for like an hour we don't know where this motherfucker is Henry's like I gotta go find him he goes looking around the house Henry goes upstairs two minutes later he comes down and Henry looks like he saw a fucking ghost he looks like mortified right Mm -hmm. sure he sits down next to me and he goes Howard's in bed with my mom (laughs) and I'm like what like are they sleeping he's like no like I walked in on them and I'm like, (laughs) 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 so, so we find out that Henry's mom is banging one of our friends. Yes. Like getting deep dicked. Mm -hmm. She's getting stuff like a Thanksgiving Turkey, right? (laughs) Like Mr. Bean, when he put it on its head or the Turkey on his head. So the story doesn't end here. (laughs) I know. (laughs) 10 minutes later, Howard comes down the stairs. He sits next to Henry and says, go get me a beer. You're grounded, (laughs) which may be the single greatest line anyone has muttered to anyone. There's Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall and there's go get me a beer. You're grounded. (laughs) uh, So now I want to tie him to beer. 
I always, <laughs> no, I've always, you no, know, like, you've, no, I've he, heard he drank a lot more. He, <laughs> okay, I was gonna say I, I've heard the story so many times, but I've never he, actually asked. Honestly, you if he, he may did. have just because, uh, to Henry's credit, he's a great dude. He's he's a great dude, and if, if this ever gets back to anyone, I didn't use your name, so shut the fuck up on any story I tell you yeah. or I tell on here, because there's gonna be a lot of stories that you'll hear them and you'll be like, I know who that is. Oh shit, it's me. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you, you got to get over it. It was so long ago. No one know. I, I know a couple people are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about um but for the the listeners out there every week going forward i'm gonna try and give out some of these crazy stories from um our high school middle school years i'm sure you have some that i won't remember we might even make like a, a, a spreadsheet to say this story this story this story um because there's a bunch you can articulate i probably have uh, a shit ton that I'm forgetting too. Yeah. I mean, I have stories about duty, about cum, about more cum, yeah. fights. A lot of cum uh, stories. There's a lot of cum stories. There's a couple duty stories. Yep. Um, but yeah, so going back and uh, tying West Melford Masterpiece Theater in to something else, this is a new story out of California. Um, a woman was sentenced today to four years in prison. Because she not only had sex with one of her daughter's boyfriends, Uh-oh. she had sex with both of her daughter's boyfriends. At the same time? <laughs> I don't think so. They said they... But what's weird is that the these happened in like a small window of time, and it sounds like it was two different times. Um, but, I mean, she went after two... <laughs> like, one is a problem. Yeah. One of your daughter's boyfriends. Because now you've, you've fucked up this boy's life, right? Your daughter's going to hate you forever. Now both your daughters are going to hate you forever. But, th- you know, I have saw this story pop up on uh, Barstool Sports, actually. And it's crazy to me. It's fucking crazy to me that, uh, you know, when... Why are you fucking with it? It was... Oh, it was gotcha. Buzzing. Okay. <laughs> um, it, you know, they're posting it like she's a hot mom, and they do this all the time at Barstool. They'll post an article about a teacher that had sex with a student. And, like, there's one side of me, it's like when we were in high school and there was a MILF or a hot teacher, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'd fuck her, I'd fuck <laughs> her, right? And now you're kind of like, yo. <laughs> like, but do you, so this woman only got four years, right? Yeah. If this was the opposite and it was a father that had sex with two of his uh, son's girlfriends, you think he got, would have gotten more than four years? Yeah, probably. Isn't it? Isn't it kind of strange? I mean, I definitely think that um, male predators are far more, you know, prevalent in this country, yeah. in, the, in the world in general. You see that whether it's man on boy or man on girl, it seems to happen more and more. But there's definitely a different light to uh, a teenage boy having sex with an adult woman. Yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean that. I mean, dude, American Pie, Stifler's mom. Like, I mean, there's also been movies where it was a teenage girl going after an adult man. American Beauty w- mm-hmm. would be one of them. So I, I just <laughs> like four years for fucking two. I think it was a 14 and a 15 year old boy. And this woman was like 42. Like there's a thing she was uh, charged with is um, oral occup- occupation. I was like, what's that? And I look it up. It's forced oral. I'm like, never had to force me. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I might have had to coerce some other people into doing it on me, and I, I don't blame. I, I I can't blame them. I'm a fucking disaster. Um, Popeye's chicken sandwich, Josh, back. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like at first that everything was fine. Yeah, it seemed then, that. It sure seemed that way. And then uh, there was a fatal stabbing over this fucking chicken sandwich. There was a fatal stabbing. There was a shooting. There was a fist fight. I saw a video of How an actual good? fist fight. This guy. Gets out of his truck. The guy, the third car is videotaping it. The second car gets out of his truck, walks to the truck at the at the thing because he happened to hear him say chicken sandwich. Pulls the motherfucker out of his truck and they throw down. Yeah, dude, it's like okay. I need to know. 
I need. I might need to go to Popeyes maybe tomorrow. I need to try this chicken sandwich and decide if it's worth stabbing someone over. Um, Uber Eats will not even let you order it. Why? Well, what I read about the fatal stabbing is that at the store, there's two different lines. There's a line for like a normal order, and then there's a line for a chicken sandwich order. And I guess what led to this is the guy that got stabbed and killed. They said that he cut to the front of the line, and this guy confronted him. He said it was a 15 second ordeal, and then he got stabbed in the chest, and then the uh, the guy and a woman left. They still haven't caught this guy, which is fucking crazy. Like they have pictures what? of him. They still haven't caught the guy. Still no arrest. But how good could could this chicken sandwich possibly be? The motherfuckers are getting shanked and. Stabbed and the shit kicked out of him over Maybe it's that good Maybe, Maybe I'll try it and I start stabbing people <laughs> You never know I've pulled knives on people in at work before I did it to Taylor yep. um, I, I, It's just crazy to me That over food Motherfuckers are wiling over it yep. And uh, I, can't, I can't say anything else Because I'm going to be ringing the bell the whole time <laughs> You know what I mean Yeah. Did you hear about this uh, Vietnam movie they're making no. This was all the, the rage today. There's a Vietnam-era movie coming out, and there's a, a very controversial casting call in it. Now, when I say controversial, what's the first thought that you think when I say in today's era that it's controversial? Um, I don't know. They casted a white guy as one of the Viet Cong. Or someone that maybe got Me Too'd, and then they're in a starring role. Okay. Um, the reason this is controversial is because the people making this movie have decided to cast... A CGI James Dean is one of the lead roles. Oh, what? Yeah, I was like, okay, maybe I, I can understand doing a CGI historical figure in like a five minute scene, like where it just made sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I get that. Like, that that to me, like, they did a CGI Grandma Tarkin in Rogue One, a C- yeah. and uh, Alaya, even though Carrie Fisher was still alive at that point. And they, but they used their actual voices for it. And I guess they're going to be doing that here, too. But to put him in a lead role, a guy that's been dead and died tragically for so long now, yeah. it, it's not only it, – I think it's dis, disrespectful to the artist's um, create, creative past. It's just lazy. Yeah. I mean, I know that the, the wonders of CGI are amazing between de-aging technology and the things that you can do in movies. But to cast someone that's been dead, and I think it's because his estate is technically public domain at this point, mm-hmm. that's fucking weird. I, I don't need to see that. Like, there, there's so many talented actors out there. There's so many talented actors out there that we haven't even seen yet. And you couldn't pick someone? You had to go CGI James Dean? Couldn't you get someone that looked like James Dean? He's not even playing James Dean. He's playing a, a role, like a character. Yeah. That's fucking weird to me. That's really strange. Like, uh, like please, I, if that's the case, get me a CGI Philip Seymour Hoffman, because I want uh, a Twister spinoff about Dusty. Yes. That's what, just Dusty. Where it's uh, going green, man. Going green. <laughs> and the bottle never hit the ground. <laughs> um... Did you hear the latest Batman casting news? Uh, no. Okay, so um, sounds like they want uh, uh, Andy Serkis as Alfred, um, which, uh, you know, it could work. It's an interesting one. Yeah. And apparently Colin Farrell as the Penguin. Really? Yeah. I, I, I wonder if they're doing Young Penguin. Maybe. Cause, or, or he's going to get fat. I, Colin Farrell is a very good actor, actually. He just picks really bad movies sometimes, yeah. and he does season two of True Detective, um, which he should never be forgiven for. He was bullseye in the Daredevil movie. Mm, well, th- let's, he might have been the best part of that fucking movie, <laughs> honestly, because Ben Affleck was terrible. Jennifer Garner was terrible. Michael Clark Duncan wasn't bad. I'll no. give him that. He was actually cast pretty well, and there was no backlash about him being black, was there? No, there wasn't. You know why? Because that was before the internet. It was before Twitter. Everyone decided that they it had to be angry. outrage. They... 
They cast a black guy as a traditionally white character, and nobody cared. Well, he also like looked the part, like yeah. the size wise. Like he's bigger than Vincent D'Onofrio, who is to me like the perfect uh, kingpin. Yeah. But Michael Clark Duncan wasn't bad. But no, I, he wasn't bad at all. No, I mean uh, I, I've already seen people complaining about them casting a black Commissioner Gordon, and a black yeah, Catwoman. I'm like, we already had a shut black up. Catwoman, and it's the greatest comic book movie ever made. Absolutely. <laughs> even Martin, even Martin Scorsese likes that one. Oh God! <laughs> Did you ever actually watch Catwoman? Nope. Yeah, uh, I saw it in the theater. Why? Um, I don't remember. I think it was because um, my cousin lived right up the road, and we would on the weekends I would stay there, and then we would just go see movies. And it was like the only one that we would like maybe see. I think it was all like chick flicks and shit. Okay. And I, honestly, I will probably see just about anything in the first place if it's an opportunity. Like especially because back then, I you know I wasn't working, so it was like parents give you money and you go okay yeah now i wouldn't go pay for a movie like catwoman fuck no will i try streaming it sure i'll try streaming anything i tried streaming a movie this week um i told you about it in text uh good boys oh yeah <sighs> what a fucking disap remember i said Brightburn was disappointing but i didn't like outright shit on it yeah i was like it was a cool concept some parts were cool good boys is the worst movie i've seen this year dude I couldn't make it. I had to turn it off after I think it was 42 minutes. Uh, the landlord and I were like, this is fucking awful. Like, it, it's poorly made. Uh, it's not funny. The kids are annoying. I, I couldn't find it. Like, and this got good reviews. Yeah. It got really. I could. The only aspect I could see where it got good reviews is if I was in sixth grade. I would have thought this shit was hilarious. I also thought, dude, where's my car was hilarious. Manfro's favorite movie. Yeah, and Man Manfro is on his own wavelength. But good <laughs> boys, dude, like, I didn't even smirk. The landlord chuckled a couple times, and for her, I get it, because she, you know, it's it's maybe I watch way more movies than her. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, it wasn't even like she was laughing. She's like, ha, ha, ha. Like, there was a, um, another movie that got critical acclaim a couple months ago that I watched and I didn't love, which is Booksmart, that Olivia Wilde uh, directed. I didn't love that. I didn't think it was the, the worst piece of shit. I didn't think it was necessarily good. It was another super bad retread, but it was a well-made movie. It was well-directed. It was well-edited. The music was done well. Good Boys had none of that. Nothing redeemable. Whatever you do, don't watch Good Boys. If you do watch Good Boys and you like it, eat a bullet. That's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, fart controversy on WFAM. <laughs> <laughs> Fartgate. Uh, Mike Fartsessa. Uh, <laughs> yo, so I saw... Um, that uh, I think it was uh, back after this, the Twitter account. Yeah, they yeah. initially posted the video of the uh, alleged fart. Mm. And I was like, it sounds like a fart to me. I was like, whatever, dude. Like, people got all up and oh, I farted. Huh? I was like, yeah, farts are funny. Like, yeah. and then fucking the he New York. Fucking, he quit over it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if, like, it comes out like a tell all book about these years of WFAN. Maybe he does, like, an interview, like, you know, what if five I told years you? <laughs> all right, so, uh,. <clears throat> I'm sure you all uh, remember the uh, the uh, the fart incident on uh, <laughs> okay. on my on uh, my WFAN uh, drive time show. Uh, you know, it was just it was really stupid. You know, a lot of a lot of these uh, you know Boston sports types come out and uh, you know are talking about uh, you know I fought it on air, which clearly I didn't do. Obviously, I would never fought on air. I'm the ultimate professional. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm the greatest that's ever done this. Uh, why would I ever fought on air? I know. I mean, uh, that's a very good Francesca. Oh, wait, hold on one second. We got a uh, we got a call coming in. Uh, Dan and West Mill video on the fan. Uh, hey, Mike. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, <sighs> okay. Uh, so, you know, I was wondering with the, the recent struggles of, uh, you know, uh, the okay. Jets and uh, Sam Darnold. Um, did you shit your parents when you farted? 
you know, I don't understand people. People get on the phone and people uh, people wait on hold for two hours to say some stupid nonsense like that. You know, it's uh, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, don't you have anything better to do? <laughs> Back after this, dude. I, could, I it was great. Like listening. So not only was the video posted, then the New York Daily News literally ran an article about it, like that he farted on air, and then he had to reply to it because Mons read it to him on there. <laughs> And then he went on for about 10 minutes about this alleged fart. <laughs> Don't you think we'd edit it out? <laughs> like, 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 and, and, <laughs> uh, the thing that I love the most about him is how unwilling he is to admit oh, when he's ever done anything wrong. See, that's wrong. like what Taylor doesn't get like about the charm of Francesa is the lack of awareness <laughs> to how ridiculous he sounds sometimes. To me, it's one of his most endearing qualities that he won't admit when he's wrong. Mm-hmm. He won't admit when he's caught in bullshit or a fart. Like, but dude, he probably would save a lot more grace if he was just like, ah, oh, fought it, you know? Okay, you fought it. I'm old, and but I love that he didn't because it leads to these kind of conversations. But we do know now that he'll be leaving. Not not leaving. We'll defend. He's leaving drive time. He's yeah. leaving afternoon drive. Yeah. Um. I really, really still hope it's Evan Roberts. I would love to see Evan and Bart Scott together because I think that would be a fantastic. I I can't stress enough how impressed I've been with Bart Scott on yeah. WF. This is a, I'm someone that used to shit on Bart relentlessly. Mm. He's been fantastic. Yeah. He learned baseball, which is the most important thing to learn if you're going to talk sports in New York. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope Evan gets it. I, I still am going to keep up with Francesa on Radio.com, and he's still so, going to do stuff with the fans. What, is CMB even a thing anymore? Well, Carlin got let go. Okay. His contract was up, and they decided not to renew him, and rather than him wait out his contract, they let him go, which I feel bad. I don't think Carlin's particularly so great. So is it just Maggie and Bart Yeah, right just now? it's just uh, Maggie and Bart. Okay. Um, I think Maggie's pretty good, actually. Yeah, no, she is. Um, she she knows her shit, and um, I'm not sexist, but I usually don't love women covering sports. <laughs> There's a few. Doris Burke's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the chick that's on a uh, Yank, not not a uh, Meredith uh, Morakovich, yeah. she's not bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kim Jones, I am a huge fan of you Kim know, Jones. I, I've always been pretty big on Aaron Andrews. She's pretty good. She's but I, great. Want, I want to say something really quick. Jimmy Jimmy G did not shoot his shot with her. No, the, he was being he fucking, was being fucking friendly and, and having s- it, and he's hot. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm sorry, Jimmy G's hot, dude. Like he he's replaced whoever. Anyone thought was the best looking player in the league? It's Jimmy G. Yeah. And he came up and they're friends too. Like they're mm-hmm. friends. He said, baby. But my favorite part is he walked away and he like smiled and pointed at her. Like, yeah. and she's just fucking moist. She's <laughs> drenched. She's saturated. Dude, I was moist. Like, I saw that. I was like, damn, this motherfucker just had the best game of his career, shut down, you know, a, a, a division rival. Yep. And he's like, and Aaron Andrews, it's another one. I think she's really, really good. Yeah. I think um, Jessica Mendoza on. Uh, baseball tonight and on uh, at uh, ESPN baseball is actually she's made a rod a better commentator, which I thought would never happen. Maybe she could help Booger. I knew the second that a rod got in the game that he was going to be the greatest commentator. He's not that ever commentated. He's not on the greatest anything. anything. He's landed. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on one second. The greatest app. Um, baseball? No, he wasn't ever? even the greatest of his era. Nah, that's not true. That's that is true. That is not true. That is true. That is not true. It's absolutely true. He's A-Rod not the greatest of his era. Is the best. Yankee ever. <laughs> Shut up. You're such a twat. God, you sound like your brother. <laughs> you should sign A-Rod. Um, but yeah, um, going back, uh, I, I hope Maggie sticks around because I do think she's good. Yeah. Um, I, I really want to see Evan get that that chance to be the guy because I think he can be the guy. He absolutely can. I think he needs to be a little... Um, 
I think he, he needs to differentiate himself from what he's done with Beningo yeah. and what Francesa does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be helped out by someone like Bart. Yeah, he 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 needs to differentiate because Joe is a buffoon of Mike Levels. I know, and I love Joe. I love I, Joe. I, Joe's the, dude, I, I, every time the Jets lose, the next day, WFAN is must listen when <laughs> Joe and Ever are on. One of my favorite things ever, it was like it was like a 30 interview, 30 minute interview with Manish Mehta. Oh my god, and he hates was, Manish. Yo, Manish, bro, bro, Manish. Bro, bro, bro. What bro. are you telling me? What are you telling <laughs> what are you me? Telling me? I watch the Jets every single Sunday. Dude, he, I follow everything they do. Manish, what are you talking dude, about? Bro. I, I was just so excited for sports radio on Monday after the Jets lost to the Dolphins. <laughs> it was fucking glorious stuff. Because, like, my team wasn't getting shit on. Like, they, the, the, the narrative would have been, oh, well, they barely beat the shitty Dolphins. Instead, it was, they lost to the <laughs> shitty Dolphins. <laughs> that sign at the game was the best. Dolphins are taking. Jets just suck. That was good. Um, um, what else do I have here? Um, two big reunion tours announced or shows, I guess you can't really call them tours just yet, but, um, I think we're both excited about them. You're more excited about one than I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, my chemical romance. Yep. Um, they announced a show in California and they're doing, I think two Australian dates as well. Mm-hmm. I would think it's going to lead to a tour out here, right? I would hope so. I would think so. Um, and then the big one that I'm excited for, and it sounds like it is going to be expanded, is Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. I am especially amped for that one. Uh, my only reservation is that it's going to be super, super political, which they've always been. Yeah. I don't want it to be just anti-Trump stuff because I already said it to some people I know that are like, oh, Rage is getting back together. And they're like hardcore Trump supporters. And I'm like, you ain't going to like it. <laughs> no. Like, you ain't going to like it, dude. It's going to be a lot of like imagery that the, on the on the graphics that are there. Dude, When I, I, I figured when I saw you too that they were going to shit on Trump and they didn't do it once. Yeah. I, w- I was shocked. And I think it's because they're more into like human rights on a massive level more so, which, mm-hmm. you know, say what you will. They do their thing. Rage is going to be straight up like, fuck this guy. I pretty, I'm pretty sure they're going to like campaign with Bernie Sanders at some points, it yeah. seems like. Um, I think a lot of people are going to get their panties in a bunch about Rage Against the Machine acting shocked as if they haven't always been against the Republican establishment. Haven't they uh, always been their thing? Yeah. I mean, they're kind of against the establishment in general, the machine itself. And I would say they're more straight up socialists than they are liberals. But you're not going to like what they have to say about uh, your president or no. our, our president. Excuse me. No. Um, okay. Let's talk about this WWE Saudi thing a little bit. Okay. Okay, so last week, WWE did a show in Saudi Arabia called Crown Jewel. WWE has a huge financial um, commitment with Saudi Arabia, getting paid by the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And I would like to start this by saying that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia is a human rights-violating pile of filth that we should have no business with. And that goes beyond the WWE that involves our own government that just gave them a $4 billion weapons deal, which, you know, no one wants to talk about. It's, you know, WWE's bad. And I've been been adamantly against the Saudi deal from the beginning. I haven't watched a single one of them. I'm not really watching WWE right now in general. But from when I was watching it religiously, I would not watch the Saudi shows. Um, It was a big deal because they had the first ever female match in Saudi Arabia. Good, grand, great, terrific lip service. The controversy then arose is that the wrestlers could not get out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, the plane was grounded. It caused major issues for the next day when SmackDown Live was in Buffalo um, because the wrestlers were stuck over there. And the reason given was mechanical issues on the plane. That is a story WWE has been saying, and that's a story that the Saudi government has been saying. However, there have been lots of stories and lots of narratives being uh, thrown at everyone about Vince McMahon having a disagreement with the prince, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, um, about uh, payments that WWE was owed. I don't know what the truth actually is. I think when there's this many stories, there's probably a little bit of truth to everything. Um, I have a hard time believing that 
they didn't get paid. I don't think Vince would do any show without payment in advance. Um, but I am sure that there was some type of disagreement. Yeah. I am sure that the wrestlers were then kept as leverage. That they were they maybe even created a mechanical issue on the plane. I'm getting a little conspiracy theorist here. Sure. But they you know, the the airline released it, but the airline is controlled by the Saudi anything that's in Saudi Arabia is controlled by the Saudi government. The other narrative is that uh Vince then cut the feed uh for Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia to be on like a two hour delay. I, I don't know what the truth is. If it's as simple as a mechanical issue, great. It sounds like there's a lot of wrestlers that are very, very unhappy. There's been a lot of wrestlers that say they won't go over there and work. John Cena and Daniel Bryan probably being the two biggest ones. And to uh, you know, respect to them for sticking up for their morals. Um, the, the moral here is, for me, is that the WWE that does these uh, Don't Be a Bully campaigns and uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation and the Susan G. Komen Foundation, and they do all these great things, and they are great things that they do for kids with cancer, uh, kids with any type of illness, breast cancer, um, stopping bullying. Why are you with a completely totalitarian uh, regime in Saudi Arabia taking money from them? Anything bad that happens when you are over there, you laid your own bed. You worked with these scumbags. This is if this was fucking Nazi Germany, it, it might as well be considered along the same things. It, it, it's obviously not like a fucking Holocaust, but they behead people in the middle of the fucking city. Yep. If you if you question their religion, they'll behead you. I mean, they cut up a fucking journalist. Whatever you believe about that, they fucking literally took a bone saw to this fucking guy. And WWE's like, oh, seems like good money because <laughs> it is good money. I'm not shit from a from a financial standpoint. If you are a WWE shareholder, you have to be thrilled with the Saudi deal. From a human standpoint, you should be absolutely hating the Saudi deal. You know, I know people, it it was great that two women got to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. What they should do is realize that that's fucking bullshit. It didn't do anything. They just did it to be like, look, we're the first one to do it. I'm sure the next day on Raw, I don't know if you watched it, but I'm sure they had fucking things up. Oh, they made history, breaking through glass ceilings, first women to ever wrestle over here. And I'm sure for Natalia and Lacey Evans, that's a huge moment. They're pawns in this fucking chess game would you not say the same thing a hundred percent and it's it sucks because it i i love i love professional wrestling i'm a little sour on it (laughs) right now as a whole bless you thank you i'm a little sour on it as a whole right now and it's it's not just this it's not just a saudi thing i think the product kind of sucks i think uh you know, I, I've liked what I've seen from AEW, but it's clear that it's not catching on right now. I'm not saying they're dead and buried, but they went from a great rating their first week to down to I think they did like 1.8 to 1.2 to uh, to 900,000 to they only did like 700,000 last week, and it, it's clear that you know this is a niche thing. And I don't think that's a problem. Wrestling could be a niche thing. Kind of always has been. Yeah. It's had particular booms and spikes in popularity through the years. It's possible that TNT. Fox, USA, have overestimated thinking there was a spike coming on. And the one thing that AEW is doing that is smart is they're only doing four pay-per-views a year. I think that's a great idea. When WWE does, like, what, one a month, maybe two sometimes? Yeah. And it's just just so much fucking content. It's just so much. You know, um, my thing with AEW is that, like, you know, the the in-ring product is good. I think the crowd engagement with AEW, to me, is the biggest thing. Yeah. There seems to be a much better connection between what's happening in the ring mm-hmm. and the crowd. And to me, that is such an important aspect. And that's yeah. because their fan base is an actual wrestling fan base. Half the crowd at WWE events are parents that bought the tickets to bring their kids. They're yeah. like, oh, they like wrestling. Let's go. And then the parents are just sitting there like, oh, our kids are having so much fun. They yeah. don't know who the fuck Seth Rollins is. <laughs> and, you know, the, the thing about it is 
there's a level of hypocrisy to it as well because the AEW fans, the anti WWE people, sure, sure. are always going to say, "Oh, they need to bring in part time wrestlers." And now, to his credit, he's not a part time wrestler, but their top guy is a fifty year old man. Yeah, he is their he is their top draw. And don't you can't you know tell me Jake Hager is a draw. No. He wasn't a draw as Jack Swagger. And I was a fucking huge fan when he got with Zeb Coulter. I love that shit. Yeah. But he never he doesn't have charisma whatsoever. None whatsoever. And I think they're bar- booking him smarter by making him look like just like this professional fighter badass. Which mm-hmm. to his credit, respect. You went and did MMA. You're fighting. Like yeah. I, you can't shit on the dude. No. He's a bad motherfucker. He beat the shit out of most of wrestlers. Mm-hmm. But he still isn't like a. He's not a great wrestler. He's a decent in ring pro- hand. He's like a guy that is supposed to make other people look good. Yeah. And you know they bring him in and the, the his chant from WWE is what's over we, not him. Yeah. And they keep chanting it and then Jericho says Yeah that was written by bad creative. He goes and that's a shoot like and, I like that. Like that was cool. And now since Jericho stopped that shit he hasn't gotten any fucking pop whatsoever. Yeah, it's like, oh, like the first time, anytime someone comes out for the first time, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, they're here, they're here. Like when Rey Mysterio <laughs> first came back, people were all fucking amped, and they're like, oh, it's Rey Mysterio. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're, they're top guys on a, a recognizable level. Inter- I'll even go internationally, because internationally, Kenny Omega's huge. Yeah. Young Bucks are huge. Um, you know, and uh, Jericho, obviously, but they don't have that guy. And the, the numbers are showing it. The novelty of it being this new thing, it's clear right now. And it's early. I can't say it's definitive. I, I don't want to say it's clear. It's not definitive. But the ratings are dropping. And then you look and people be like, well, WWEs are going down, too. And uh, they're beating NXT. Yet they're beating NXT. I don't think they put NXT up with the definitive hope to beat them. I, I fully think they put NXT on just to take away some of their audience, to yeah. make their number look worse. And by all accounts, they've done that. Mm-hmm. Because if they weren't watching NXT, I'm sure they'd be watching AEW. Yeah. So I, they're still getting, they're losing double in the ratings to Raw and SmackDown. Like people were like, well, SmackDown's rating, uh, not this past week, the week before, it only did uh, 600,000. Yeah, they were on FS1 because of the World Series. And they didn't tell anybody either. Yeah. It was just, and then this past week, week the rating went way, way up with the NXT invasion angle. Yeah. I'm still keeping up with what's happening. I like reading all the fucking dirt sheets and shit, because especially with this Saudi stuff, it's fascinating. Um, I, I still don't know what the truth is with Saudi Arabia. I don't know if we never ever will. will. And, you know, while all this was blowing up and they're like, uh, it, I love seeing what's going on with Seth Rollins and Dave Meltzer going at it on Twitter. That's really funny. Um, and all these people coming at it. I think Dave Meltzer, I used to think he was great. I kind of think he's full of shit He's now. another one of those guys. He, he's, he's the Mike Francesa of the wrestling oh, world. He's yeah. always fucking wrong. He, he gets some really good info at times just like he that's a great compare great analogy he's like mike francesa um he obviously knows the industry yeah but it, i don't know if he has connects in wwe anymore i'm sure he has some but i don't know if they know like they're trying to crack down on leaks but i canceled my wrestling observer subscription because i just got sick of like everything was just a spin a spin a spin and that's media in general but you know you're hearing so many different sides and angles of these things I don't know. They got to be really careful next time in Saudi Arabia. I would just do if the Crown Prince wants a beheading in the middle of the ring, uh, bring out Baron Corbin and take his fucking head off. All right, um, want to do some football? Yeah, let's yeah, do some all right. Let Go ahead, set, set up. up the camera um, while we're chilling. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you something while I'm, I'm doing there. Um, we talked about Star Wars before, and I'm deep into my uh, look, watching videos that have like theories about what's going to happen because I'm a fucking loser. Um, so what I heard today, and you might find this one interesting, Josh, um, is that the, the theory that Ray is Shmi Skywalker, that um, she is stuck in a time loop, more or less. And that Palpatine is going to... There, there are some interesting things that I wonder. Um, 
because in that shot of the most recent trailer where all the ships are coming in and the big battle, there's a Trade Federation ship in there. Did you notice that at all? So there's a Trade Federation ship, and I know they said they were going to tie in all the trilogies, but the idea is that Palpatine sends Rey back, and time travel is part of the Star, Star Wars canon because of uh, Rebels, I believe it is. So it, it's a goofy fucking theory, and I would say 90% of these theories don't end up being true, but the theory is that she goes back and that she's um, then the, the midichlorians are manipulated and she becomes uh, the mother of one Anakin Skywalker. I don't think that's true. I think it's interesting how they could do it. I'll have to send you the video because then even you might be like, "Uh oh, shit. I didn't even notice a trade federation ship until I watched this one. All right. Are we ready for football? Um, are we recording? We are. We are recording. Hey, guys. Uh, so, again, this episode 76, you watch, I listen, uh, heading into week 10 of the NFL season. Um, so, as the record stands now, Josh has been in the lead since week one. Coming into week 10, I have now surpassed you in the standings. Um, I am standing at, I went 10 and 4 last week. I'm now 84, 49, and 1. Uh, I have a two game lead on you, Josh. You went 7 and 7, 82, 51, and 1. And Taylor, oh boy, you got ground to make up. At least to catch Josh, you're behind by four games of, of Josh, and you were behind six games on me. You are at 78. 56 and one after going six and eight last week. Um, I was thrilled this past Sunday because my Miami Dolphins made sure they won't go down as one of the only three teams to never win a game. Um, You knew they were going to win a game the way they'd played the last few weeks. Like you had to figure they were going to win a game eventually, right? Yeah. They, they seem to get better each week. And I'm so happy it was the jets. Oh, I dude, you had to know how I felt like watching that game, how thrilled I was that they beat the jets. Are you all right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, sorry, we're amateurs here, and we're gay. Yeah, we're good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was I was thrilled we beat the Jets. Um, it, it, the score wasn't even as close as it, the final score indicated because they just kicked the shit out of them. Um, it was wonderful. The Jets scored on their opening drive, and then from there it was just a struggle. Uh, it's great seeing Adam Gaze struggle like he is. Uh, great job, Jets. Great job, Jets fans. Uh, for having a hope coming into this season to think that your team was going to be good, I want to give a heartfelt thank you because every time you guys have hope and it just crumbles in front of you, I gain like an extra year. I'm like the Grinch. My heart just grows three sizes bigger, and I love watching your misery. Yep. And I hope you guys get We Are Marshall. My, my favorite thing about how bad the Jets are is just watching what Quaz has to say about it. <laughs> well, Quaz hates everything that isn't Tom Brady. Like, it's the only quarterback he ever compliments is Tom Brady, yeah. which is funny for a Jets fan. So, big fuck you to Quaz. <laughs> All right. Um, why don't we get in these picks? I got Taylor's picks. Um, I will read them off. I'll probably ask you to give, give your picks first. Okay. Um, so, because we, we're so bunched up now, and I want to see if we had any differences and no one's picking picks just to stay ahead or get ahead. Yep. Um, okay. So, the first game, Thursday night game, the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers at the Oakland Raiders. Chargers coming off a surprising upset victory at home against the Green Bay Packers, where another game, I think the final score was 25 to 11, wasn't even that close. Uh, they yeah. scored, the, the Packers didn't score their first touchdown until like six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, and the Raiders coming off a really, really impressive win over the Lions. They held on late. Um, Josh, um, uh, the Chargers are one point favorites, by the way, on the road. Hmm, this is a tough one. Uh, but I am going to take the Raiders. Okay. Um, any reason in particular? Again, you know, I, I, it's tough. It's a divisional matchup. Is it not trusting the Chargers as much, too? It's a little bit that. You know, they're, they've got some controversy this week, uh, which I'm sure is... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, Always. the London Chargers sounds great. <laughs> you know, anytime that your team is in, involved in any kind of controversy and there's noise and you there's know, questions, qu- questions sure. are getting asked and the players are getting asked questions and they're getting frustrated. Uh, both teams won last week. The Raiders are home, divisional game. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers. Um, you know, it's not that much of a road game. <laughs> it's it's Los Angeles to Oakland. Yeah, that's to be true. fair, it's not like you have to travel for it. Um, and I'm 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 taking them solely based on the fact that the Chargers have shown this thing over, the, uh, especially with Philip Rivers, where they start out terribly and they tend to play better down the stretch. Um, as much as I don't trust the Chargers, I don't trust the Raiders either. They seem even more like the team that after they have this win, where they held on late, this emotional victory. They're going to come out flat the next week. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it seems like Melvin Gordon's starting to get going, which to me is a big factor. Um, the Raiders have been better than I expected this year so far. I mean, they're 4-4. Four and four. It's not like they're fucking world beaters, but they're in the hunt. Yeah. But the Chargers are still in the hunt. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a good game against the, Char- uh, the Raiders secondary. Uh, I expect a huge game from Austin Eckler as well in the receiving game. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the Chargers. So we got that one different so far. Um, the next game is the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tennessee Titans. Chiefs confirmed Patrick Mahomes is back this week. Um, despite that, they beat the Vikings. Um, you know, Taylor picked the Vikings. And I said from the beginning, you can't trust Kirk Cousins against good teams. No. And Matt Moore played great. Tyreek Hill played great. Um, the Chiefs defense played very, very well down the stretch. Um, and now they're facing a Titans team coming off a loss. Uh, Ryan Tannehill played all right again, but he had his typical game where he just has those inexcusable turnovers, can't set, sense pressure. But he's played really well in the three games he started. He's 2-1. and one. Um, Josh. Uh, yeah, you got to take the Chiefs here. Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to be fired up with Mahomes back. And now that their defense is playing a little bit better after getting, you know, back-to-back losses, um, they're going to be fired up to have him back out there. I expect a, a Sammy Watkins is getting better and better each week, healthier and healthier. Um, so we're all, uh, Taylor also, by the way, Taylor took the Raiders, and he's taking the Chiefs as well. So finally, he's taking the fucking Chiefs. I think he's picked against him every week the last, like, He just eight. wants him so bad to be not good. How angry will he be if they win the Super Bowl? Oh. <laughs> Most. <laughs> Most. Okay. Uh, next game, the Buffalo Bills at the Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, Browns are three-point favorites at home, amazingly enough. Uh, Bills coming off a win over the Redskins, and the Browns coming off a really bad loss against the Broncos, yeah. where the, the Browns seem more interested in the fucking cleats they're wearing than they are playing games. Shows a lack of leadership from the coaching staff, a lack of leadership from the players on the field. Um, a really dis- dis- disheartening from such a talented team on paper. Josh, I am taking the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, and I I think that's the I, I'm surprised they're underdogs. Yeah, I think that's the the safe pick. You know, the, I guess it's not if they're underdogs. The defense is good over there, man, uh, and it's just I. I, it is a good defense. I don't think it's a great defense. I think it's a solid, pretty damn good defense. Um, my issue is I think they're a team that isn't going to travel well. Mm-hmm. I, defense tends to travel well, but my issue is the offense, and I yeah. think that's what's not going to travel well. Not like the Browns are doing anything special, but if you look at who the Bills have beaten, yeah, they won this. They beat the fucking Redskins and a rookie in Dwayne Haskins who only got his first uh, first team reps this, this week. So now they're going to be – not that Baker Mayfield's doing anything to rave about this year. None of that offense is doing anything to rave about. Mm-hmm. Kareem Hunt's back this week. I think that's a big factor in this as well. The Browns are going to have a couple games, and we you said this coming in the year, so all credit to you, where they're going to look like, oh, maybe they got it. Maybe they got it. I think they're going to do that in this game. I think it's a letdown game for the Bills, um, and Taylor is also taking the Browns. Uh, the next game is the Arizona Cardinals at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both teams coming off losses. Uh, Tampa Bay probably should have beaten Seattle. They had them right there, but their defense can't do anything. And Jameis Winston, even when he plays well, it's not good enough because if he plays well, the defense doesn't. And if he doesn't play well, the defense is great. Yeah. So, uh, Josh. 
I'm going to take the Cardinals. The Cardinals, okay. Um, Taylor also took the Cardinals, and I, I thought about it at first. Um, and again, I, I, the Bucks to me are one of the hardest. They're very similar to me, even though they, they have two less wins than the Titans, but they're very similar, where I don't know what is going to show up. The good Jameis Winston, the bad Jameis Winston, the good yep. Bucks defense, the bad Bucks defense. But I think that they have enough offensive firepower mm-hmm. to run up the score a little bit against a poor Cardinals defense. And I don't think Kyler Murray, as good as he's been this year, I don't think he's ready to keep up with uh, the Bucks. I this is a tough one. I mean, the Bucks are fucking four and a half point favorites at home. I mean, you get three for being home, but are they, they the Cardinals are a better team? I would say they they look like a better team yeah. so far. Um, so you guys are taking the Cardinals, and I'm taking the Bucks. Mm. All right, guys, this is the inept bowl. The, the toilet bowl, the <laughs> shit bowl, the garbage bowl, yep. New York sports fans, New York f- football fans, your team suck. And this week, they get to go head-to-head. Yep. This is better than the Snoopy Bowl. This is better than Death Row because you're going to get to see pure dog shit on the football field. Um, uh, what am I doing in my mic? Just mess around with it a little bit. I got to change out the wire. I see what the problem is. Okay. Um, yeah. So two of the worst teams in the league. One quarterback that should promise at the end of last year has regressed entirely. Mm-hmm. One quarterback who played great in game one has regressed entirely, and he's yep. a rookie, so I'm way more forgiving on it, but he has major ball security issues. I mean, I think he has, um, uh, I think, 12 total turnovers at 13 between interceptions and fumbles, which is just really re- – the fumbles are more concerning to me than the interceptions. The interceptions can be cleaned up, but the way this kid fumbles, Daniel Jones is a problem. Um, your team suck. Bad, mm-hmm. really bad, um, and don't be like, oh, the Dolphins aren't much better. You guys have one more win than the Dolphins. Congrats! <laughs> um, you guys traded the Jets traded Leonard Williams to the Giants, and I had people telling me, oh, he's great, he's great. Yeah, he had a fucking great showing in his first game. Three tackles, none for a loss. <laughs> Woo! He's a fucking bust at six overall. You think you got? You guys could have gotten him in free agency, and said you gave up a third round pick for a guy that has, I think, uh, seventeen total sacks in his career. Great. Who are you taking in this dog shit? Who is the technical home team? The Jets. Then I'm taking the Giants. <laughs> if I said the Giants, would you have taken them? If you said the Giants were the technical home team, I would have taken the Jets. Okay. Because it's it's such a thing to happen to Jets fans that they would win the game when their season ticket holders aren't there. That's true. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, I'm taking the Giants. So is Taylor. It's The, the Giants are slightly less shit. Like, they're shit, yeah, but the Jets are diarrhea less. shit. The Jets are pure diarrhea shit. Like they're like, you just had a lot of Taco Bell the night before, and you wash it down with like twelve Coronas. Uh, you got an enema and just fucking duties coming out. That's the Jets. Yeah. The Giants are that like shit that where you held it in a little too long, and you sit down and it just all comes out. And you're like, oh, that felt nice, and it's like a two wiper. The Jets are like a six wiper. Um, you guys are you're both garbage, and you garbage fans too. So fuck you. I don't know why I have so much venom for New York football fans, but you got the Jets fans have a sense of entitlement and they shouldn't. They really shouldn't. No. And the Giants fans, they they think that they're like the fucking Patriots and the Steelers. You guys have been a great fucking franchise, but I have no I don't feel bad for you the same way I don't feel bad for Yankee fans. No one feels bad for you motherfuckers. You guys have won two fucking Super Bowls in my life in in, in the last fucking this is millennium. This millennium. You guys won two before that. You guys won one in the 90s, one in the 80s. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you is right. You've won three while I'm alive. You fucking dick suckers. Dude, stop thinking that every player you get is going to be great. I remember you guys did this with 
fucking every. You thought Jabril Prepper was going to place Landon Collins. He sucks. You thought Sterling Shepard would be fine without OBJ. He has a fucking headache and he can't fucking play. You guys fucking stink. The only one good Saquon and he's awesome. And you're gonna waste him like you did, like the Lions did Barry Sanders and the Jets. Fuck off. <laughs> fuck New York football. Talk to me. One of the teams is good and they're not. I can't talk. I don't shit talk the Patriots. You guys can't shit talk the Eagles. You can't. You can shit talk the Cowboys, maybe, but not right now. You can't. They're a better team, and they have been for a while now. I know they don't have a Super Bowl, but they are clearly a far superior team to you, and your ownership sucks now. Sorry. They don't know what they're doing. Wellington Mara is not there. Sorry. All right. Josh, Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Um, What do you think the spread is on this game? I'm going to say that the Saints are probably 17.5-point favorites. 12.5-point favorites. Um, uh, I saw a thing. A teacher in New Orleans is teaching their students math by making fun of how much the Falcons suck. If the Saints beat the Falcons by this score, um, go ahead. Give me your take on this game, please. You have very good Falcons insight. The Saints are probably going to win this game. (laughs) Um, Hey, they're coming off a bye week. They didn't fire their coach, the Falcons. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't think. Because I know the Saints are going to win, but, but you don't I pick know the Saints? that when I say I pick the Saints, the Falcons are going to win. So what do I do? What the fuck do I do? I mean, this would be your chance to make up ground on your own team. <laughs> hey, I listen. I didn't. I tell Taylor to pick the Dolphins last week, and he picked the Jets. Yeah. If he did that, he would have the same record as you, and he would only game behind. But cunt. So. <sighs> I'm taking the Saints. <laughs> uh, and so is uh, Taylor. He's also taking the Giants here. Uh, yeah, I, I just, the Falcons just don't have the talent. They they don't. I know they have talent. They yeah. don't have enough talent. They have great, they have like two great skill position players. Yeah. Maybe I'll say three in uh, Hooper uh, and uh, Ridley and Jones, obviously. Mm. And outside of that, I don't think they have great position. Devontae Freeman is fine. Yeah. I don't think he's a great player. He's, he's a good player. A good player. He's yeah. a good player. On a great team, he's a, gr- a great player, right? On a bad team, he's, he's a good player. He's yeah. like he's a guy that might burn you a game. Yeah. Might, if you leave him a, a chance, he could do it. Fine, sure, sure. Every team has a guy like that. They're professional football players. Bum score touchdowns. You know what I mean? But the Saints are still, to me, even though the 49ers are the last undefeated team, the Saints are the best team in the league. They've beaten better teams without Drew Brees. Without Drew Brees. That's the crazy thing. They did it without Drew Brees for how long? And now this motherfucker's back. Yep. He was great in his first game back. Now he's a bye week, another week of rest. I think he's going to shred him. I think they're going to win by 20. Probably yeah, I right. I can see it. I can yeah. see it. Um, okay, the next game, I think everyone, this is, I'm surprised this isn't the biggest spread of the week. Your game is um, the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. I told y'all motherfuckers the Ravens were going to beat the Patriots. I, it went exactly like I thought it would. It, it uh, went exactly like I thought yeah, it would, and, too. And you, picked them anyway, and you picked the Patriots anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, the, the Ravens are 10-point favorites at home. The Bengals are terrible. They're terrible. They benched Andy Dalton on his fucking birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite shit. And, I, and that's another one. I, I wish I, I could pull up the soundbite where Taylor was telling me how good Andy Dalton is in the beginning of the year. Benched on his fucking birthday. Uh, Lamar Jackson is fucking awesome in the MVP conversation. He'll never be the best passer in the league, but he could be one of the best players on the football field every single Sunday. Um, you know, he's not as fast as Vic, but he's quicker. Those little jukes and in and out cuts. Yeah. Um, he'll never have an arm like Vic, but he's already a better passer than Vic was accuracy-wise. And John Harbaugh, to me, 
is one of the best coaches in the league because unlike what a lot of coaches do, rather than try to fit the player to the system, he made the system fit the player. Um, and he made this offense. I mean, the, the way they ran those three tight end sets against the Patriots was absolutely brilliant. There is a fear here of a letdown, even though the Bengals are terrible, but a, a really emotional victory against the Patriots where they proved like we're here, divisional game, on the road. That, that has the ingredients for that. Usually, but the Bengals are void of talent. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you're taking the Ravens. Yeah, uh, Taylor's taking the Ravens, so easy. Uh, next game, the Carolina Panthers at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Panthers with a nice bounce back win. Green Bay with that terrible loss to the Chargers. Uh, Josh. Yeah, uh, I am going to take the Panthers here. The Panthers, really? Please elaborate. Um, Christian McCaffrey is playing out of his mind. Um, yeah, he's, he's, I, he's Offensive Player of the Year right now. You know, um, heartbreaking loss for the Packers last week. I can't, you can't. I don't want to call it heartbreak. I would say it's like a devastating loss because yeah. heartbreaking is like you had the lead at the end of the game. Yeah. Like fail Mary was a heartbreaking loss, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was like where the fuck were you? And it's like it was all Packers fans at the game, and they came out completely flat. Yeah. Um, I just think it, it. You know, they had the bad game last week. Uh, they're going to look to bounce back this week. Uh, but that's a that's a tough task against an offense that's playing this well with a player that's and playing a, a very this good defense, out of his mind. A very good defense on the Panthers, too, and they're very well coached. Ron Rivera is one of the more underrated coaches in this league, I would say. He's yeah. a very, very good coach. His teams, uh, rarely you see them get, I know they get blown out by the 49ers, but very, very rarely. Um, very game team, very physical team. Uh, despite that, I'm going to take the Packers. I, I see them as this is a kind of a bounce back game. They go home. I, I think teams like them that were kind of rolling, they need those losses. You see that with the Patriots all the time. They always have that one, those one or two losses where you're like, is this it? Is this it? And then they roll out another six wins in a row. Um, I think I have a hard time believing that the Packers are going to only score 11 points in back to back games. Especially at home now. Even though there was more, you know, Packers fans there, Carolina now has to go up to Cold Lambeau. I think that's going to make a big difference. Kyle Allen, you know, he still play, he played well this past week, but he threw another interception. I think the Packers defense is going to force at least two turnovers. One of them is going to go for a touchdown. So I'm taking the Packers. Taylor's also taking them. Uh, next game, the Detroit Lions against the Chicago Bears and Mitch False Brisky, uh, Bisky, excuse me, <laughs> um, Mitch Mitch Trubisky is terrible. And I, I got shit from my friends last year when I said I still didn't think he was that good, even though he had a good year. I saw the scheme. You could see it through the warts. He Jared Goff, I don't think is great, and he's significantly better than Mitch Trubisky. Uh, I mean, I think going into this, uh, the end of the first half, he was like three for nine for 30 yards or some shit. Like, dude, you can't complete a screen. And if you are throwing screens, he's not hitting them. Like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's a really good defense. Like, this is a team that realistically is a quarterback away from being a serious contender. But the problem is, when you miss on a first-round quarterback, you fuck everything up. Yeah. For years. Um, the Lions just lost to the Raiders, as we said earlier. Uh, the Bears, uh, they lost to the Eagles. The Eagles, excuse me. And they made it close at the end, but this is what they do every time. The team the team that the Bears' offense is playing, the defense takes their foot off the gas, and then, oh, the Bears might be coming back, and then they're like, all right, let's play again. This kid can't do anything if we're trying, and sure enough. Yeah, it's like... I don't know. Uh, the, the Lions, I think, are better than their record shows, but their record is what it is. Um, they they seem good enough to play close, only to lose. And they lose in heartbreaking fashion. The Lions lose better in heartbreaking fashion than anyone. Yeah. Um, so who are you taking on this one? Um, the Bears I'm, are home, and they're three-point favorites. Um, I'm going to take the Bears. The Bears. Okay. 
Uh, you know, uh, you figured they got to get one eventually. Awful, god awful. <laughs> He's fucking um, trash. You know, I li- I like how Matt Stafford's been playing. He's I think playing he's been great. playing great. Uh, he's keeping that team together. Yeah, and that's what was crazy at the end of the Raiders game. They kept their two best fucking wide receivers off the field in the last play, which I, I don't understand what Matt Patricia was thinking. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you. But uh, going into this game, going into Chicago. Divisional uh, game. Divisional game. I just, I. I, I mean, I, I was a little torn. I thought about taking the Bears because I'm like, their, their defense is going to win them a couple games, yeah. right? A couple and Mitch is going to have a couple games. You're like, oh, this kid's turning a corner, and then he's going to have another game where he's terrible. Yeah. Um. But I'm going to take the Lions. I think just because, like you said, Matthew Stafford is playing so well, he's going to be able to put up enough points. And that I don't trust Mitch Trubisky to have to come back from it. Even if the Bears defense plays well, the Lions to me are good for 24 points, and I don't think Mitch Trubisky is capable of rallying his team to 25 points. Yeah. So I'm taking the Lions. Taylor is also taking the Lions. Uh, next game, Miami Dolphins at the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Dolphins coming off their first win over the Jets. <laughs> uh, the Colts coming off a, a really tough loss to the Steelers where Jacoby Brissett was knocked out with an MCL sprain. Brian Hoyer played pretty damn well. The, the, the backbreaking and the difference in this one was a 96-yard interception return from Minka Fitzpatrick and the missed field goal at the end from Adam Vinatieri. Um, my team, I'll go first on this one, obviously. Uh, despite that, I'm going to take the Colts. Um, I think that it, th- this is the kind of game that the Colts could lose because, you know, it sounds like uh, Brissett's going to play right now. you got to wonder about the mobility, and the Dolphins tend to struggle with mo- mobile quarterbacks. Um, but the, the things the Colts do really well are the things that the Dolphins struggle with when they're good. Uh, physical offensive line, physical defensive line, and fast linebackers. Um, you know, they, they have to bounce back. They have to keep up with the Texans and their division. Uh, so I think the Colts will get this one. I think they're well coached enough that they can, you know, they, they should have beat the Steelers. They should have. They should have. And the Steelers defense is pretty good. The Dolphins defense is not pretty good. They're pretty bad, although they have played better. I think since their bye week, they're like 12th in total, total defense, which is fucking crazy to me. Um, so I'm going to take the Colts uh, against my Dolphins. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna take the Colts too. Yeah, uh, I think it's pretty pretty well said. I, I you know, this isn't the Jets. The Dolphins are playing. This is a well coached team with a lot of talent and talent that could, that plays above their head as well. Yeah. And Taylor's also taking the Colts. Uh, next game, this is a good game. Uh, Los Angeles Rams at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Rams three and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, Rams coming off their bye week. Steelers coming off that win over the Colts. Josh, I'm gonna take the Steelers here. Okay. Uh, you know, riding high off of victory. And they are creating turnovers. Yes, they are. They are very creating high level. turnovers, and Jared Goff is not the kind of guy that I see avoiding those turnovers. You know, he's going to throw a pick. He might get sacked uh, yeah. a couple of times. Um, you know, depending on how many snaps Todd Gurley plays, you know, sure. his backups might get forced to fumble or two. Sure. Um, okay, so for the exact reasons you just said is the reason I'm taking the Rams and specifically, you know, worried about Todd Gurley's workload. They're coming off a bye week. This is the week that you use him. This is you really have to keep up with both the Seahawks and the 49ers in your division now. This is a must win for the Los Angeles Rams, despite it being out of conference and not in the division. Obviously, um, I, I think coming off the bye, they're going to come out very energetic. Um, despite the Steelers' defense being very, very good, I think that the Rams' offense is good enough. I think uh, uh, Cooper Cup has been playing fantastic. 
fantastically this year. I think he's going to have a big game. I think uh, Gurley's going to have a really big game. I do think that I, I could definitely see the the Goff turnovers uh, being a problem because the Steelers' defense, specifically in the secondary, is very, very fast, thanks to Micah Fitzpatrick, um, and he's playing at a very high level. But I'm going to take the Rams. I think that um, the kind of game where they're going to score points and the Steelers will have trouble keeping up with them, and Taylor is also taking the Rams. Uh, the Monday night or Sunday night game. Uh, this is a good NFC matchup. The Minnesota Vikings coming off that loss to the Chiefs against the Dallas Cowboys coming off a win over the Giants at MetLife Stadium. Uh, the Cowboys are three-point favorites at home. Josh. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, I'm also taking the Cowboys. Taylor is taking the Vikings. I think he's taking the Vikings every single week. <laughs> he really has. Yeah, he he has. He, I'm, I, you know, Taylor, you can argue with me about this another time, but you've been a Kirk Cousins fanboy since Washington. I remember you wanted him on Denver, and I said he's okay. Like he's not a he's not a bad quarterback, but he certainly isn't a good quarterback. He is a what I would call a serviceable quarterback. He is a step above Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. Right, dude. When you he only has five wins in his career. He's now five and twenty-seven against teams that have above five. Records. He has one win in his career in a primetime game. Or two, sorry. Sorry, he won a Thursday night game. Excuse oh, okay. me. Okay. He, has okay. Two, okay. he has two primetime wins. He does great when the pressure's on. <laughs> uh, the Cowboys are a good team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. The Vikings are a good team. They're not a great team. They're not a good road team at all. You saw that against the Chiefs. You know, you look at Kirk Cousins' numbers. You're like, oh, he threw three touchdowns. He was 19 for 38. (laughs) 50% of his passes. That is not efficient. Don't talk to me about the touchdowns. When you complete only 50% of your passes, you're almost always going to lose that game. Yes, the defense blew it late. But no, Kirk Cousins wasn't efficient enough to keep his offense on the field and keep the Chiefs and a backup quarterback off the field. They couldn't use the fucking Colts formula that worked to perfection. It it just did not work, and I don't think they're going to be able to do it here. I think the Cowboys, they did everything they could to lose against the Giants, and they still won. They poured it on late. And they have to be more careful against the Vikings because the Vikings' defense isn't bad. I don't want to shit on the Vikings' defense. They did nothing wrong. I don't want to shit on Dalvin Cook. He's done nothing wrong. Or... um, um, what, what's uh, Stefan Diggs? Mm-hmm. But Kirk Cousins has shown in these games he cannot be trusted because he's not that good. Cowboys all the way for me. Cowboys for Taylor or, to, or Vikings for Taylor and uh, Cowboys for you, Josh. Yeah. Okay. Monday night game, game of the week, fantastic game, big divisional matchup. The Seattle Seahawks front running MVP and your New York Yankee second baseman Russell Wilson against the undefeated, the final undefeated team in the NFL, Jimmy G and the San Francisco 49ers. Joshua. All right. So a little bit of a backstory here. I talk about this from time to time on the 49ers. There is a guy who is the head coach. His name is Kyle Shanahan. Really? Tell yes. me about Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan is the former offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. What year was he last the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons? That would be 2017. And how did that? How, what was the last? I don't remember. What was the last game that he coached? 2016, because 2017 is the year the Eagles won. Ah, uh-huh, 2016. Yeah, yeah. What was the last game that he coached for the that Falcons? That would be Super Bowl 51. And what happened in that game? They blew a 28 to three halftime lead to the New England Patriots to go on to lose. In the first ever overtime Super Bowl. Yeah, and James White scored the last touchdown. He did. He's on my fantasy team, and he's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, He's leading this team to the 
currently undefeated season that they're having. Sure. They're the only remaining undefeated yes. team in the NFL. He's got a beautiful man in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a beautiful man. Playing quarterback for him. He's got a former Atlanta Falcon in Tevin Coleman playing running back for him, and he is playing well right now. And Matt Breda as well. Very uh, physical, physical running game. As a Atlanta Falcons fan, this has all the makings of a team that's going to go 19-0. <laughs> but... Luckily, coming into this game, there is a man. Tell me about this man. This man is my MVP. Oh, okay. What else is he? He is the number one quarterback in the NFL right now. Okay, what else is he? He also happens to be your New York Yankees second baseman, Russell Wilson, going to win MVP, going to win this game, going to put the 49ers on their back for the first time this year and give them that first loss. I'm picking the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Um, Taylor is taking the 49ers, and I, too, am taking the Seattle Seahawks. Um, As great as the 49ers have been this year, and I want to stress that they have been great, their offense has not been one that's been lighting up the field. They put up 50 on Carolina, I know, Um, and Jimmy G's played pretty damn well. He hasn't played great. You look at his numbers, they're they're good. He's been uh, a step above what they label a game manager. I hate that phrase, game manager, but he's been a step above. He hasn't had to do everything because the offense isn't built like that. This is a game where he's going to have to do a lot more on offense, unless the the, the San San Francisco 49ers completely shuts down Russell Wilson, which I don't think will happen. I know they're only allowing... It's crazy. The 49ers defense has only given up, I think, 187 passing yards per game, which is fucking wild. And Richard Sherman looks like Richard Sherman again. Um, But despite that, Russell Wilson does things that other quarterbacks can't do. He's the best deep passer in the league. He has the best um, escapability, I would say, in the league. He's extremely hard to to bring down. He moves around the pocket well. He creates uh, the broken play for a big play very, very well. Um, Josh Gordon Gordon looks like he's playing this week for the first time. Just another wrinkle to the offensive game. Um, I think the, uh, the Seahawks are going to be extremely motivated to win this game. I think this is a game, if you took that Legion of Boom defense and Legion of Boom teams against this 49ers team, they lose it because that defense didn't travel as well. But I think the fact that this is a Russell Wilson offensively led team now, that they're going to go on the road, they're going to win this game on Monday night, and show this the 49ers that they're going to have to fight and win every single game down the stretch to keep this division and not fall back to a wild card. And uh, Taylor's taking the 49ers. So um, we have a few different picks this week. I'm happy about You and I seem to have the most different ones this week um but yeah really good uh you're two games behind me taylor six behind me he's four behind you taylor you got a lot of ground to make up buddy or you're going to be getting a really nice tattoo all right guys this is episode 76 you watch i listen thank you josh for sitting in the second chair today no problem um the movie again this week was peanut butter falcon album between the uh, berry to me between the berry to me coma how ecliptic. did i remember before you i don't know uh, okay guys we'll see you next week thanks peace you should turn off the audio Ha, ha, ha.